All right. Welcome to another episode of Heroic Debate. Uh, we're back. We've got uh, a lot of stuff to cover in a fairly short period of time. So I think we should just get right into it. Or should I say, Steve, we're in the end game now. No? Yeah, no, no. no. Tough crowd. All right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah so big, the biggest thing is that end game is on the way. But we had a lot of stuff happen in between. We currently have uh, four more days until it's released. So we're, yeah, we're, all those we're, early we're trying launchers. to get we're trying to get this in just 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 the side of uh, actual release date. If, if you're a faithful listener, you'll be able to hear this before you go see Endgame. Extremely faithful, and, right? You know, <laughs> but it's okay if you listen to it after. Shout out Endgame to our uh, friends and family, and uh, of course our our new subscribers. Yeah, uh, we have, man, we got a list, like, listeners popping up all over the place. We got, like, three listeners from India, like, the other day, which is really surprising to me. But, uh, hey, for all you folks in Rugadesh, um, keep on listening. Uh, for the rest of you, tell your friends, and uh, tell your friends' friends, tell your family's friends, just, yeah, get on there. It's a good time for everybody. <laughs> Uh, speaking of a good time for everybody, let's go back through the roster of stuff we was on the horizon the last time we broadcast, and I think, so really Ant-Man and the Wasp, that was like the first one that was upcoming the last time we talked. I think we also saw Captain Marvel on the near horizon as well. Well, we knew it was coming, yes. but I was saying is that Ant-Man and the Wasp, I think you had seen it, yes. I had not. I have now seen it, and therefore can talk about it. Uh, so, spoiler level three, if you haven't seen Ant-Man and the Wasp, first of all, go see it. Uh, it was highly entertaining. It's on Netflix right now. Yes. Uh, I would consider it as one of the essentials to see before Endgame because it does have some content in there. I did forget to mention that to a coworker. She asked me, like, what, what was, like, her shortcut to it? And I would, I would say the Russo said uh, Civil War and Infinity War. But I would say Ant-Man and the Wasp is definitely up there as well, too. Yeah, and I definitely think if you... Haven't had the opportunity to take in Black Panther. Uh, that's a fairly critical one to see, too, since uh, Wakanda kind of plays a part in Infinity War. Uh, and, oh, and I can't... What is Okoye? Okoye. Is in, like, she's literally on the movie poster. Yes. So, yeah, if you haven't seen Black Panther, take that one in one as well. Crucial, that's a good one. One of the crucial Wakandans, because as we saw in some of the promotional material for Endgame, Shuri apparently was... was uh, Dusted, snapped, snapped, at the end of uh, Infinity War. Although we didn't see that, that you know, and who knows? You know, we may yet see that. That may be part of the lead into the movie. Who knows? It could be. There's a ton yeah. of speculation yeah. just on the whole uh, who got snapped and who didn't, and mm -hmm. we may, you know, not ever really know a full roster of it. But it may we'll... not be crucial to know. Right? Everyone. Yeah, it may not even be a necessity. To but know. by the end of the movie, I'm sure like everything will be back to normal. Maybe. Well, we'll see. I think that's yeah. the path that yeah. I, that is going to be three hours plus in right. the making. We'll slowly give that out to us. But, so definitely, yeah, it, the fact alone that's on Netflix, check out Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, I really, I thought, I liked it a lot more than I thought. Ant-Man and um, the Wasp? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, you know, it's hard for me when they play around a little bit with some of the characters. I think it was interesting that they chose an Iron Man villain, for this one like the ghost has consistently always been an iron man villain 
Uh, at, and the only time I've really seen him anywhere else is he was like an Avengers villain during the whole Dark Avengers saga. Uh, and while I'm okay with, you know, gender swapping and stuff like that, because I think I thought that it fit the storyline really well, this is, I thought, was a pretty decent way to reimagine a character and actually have it, you know, fit. Like, it didn't, uh, this is one of those ones that it didn't irk me that the, like, I They're somehow wanted the character to be exactly like it was in the comic. And in some ways, this is a little bit of a better version of the character, I thought. Um, it was a, I, you know, for, for not having the same history with, with the Iron Man comics that you do, I'm um, very pleasantly surprised by the role. It was a, a very compelling villain. I really liked seeing um, Goliath, you know. Oh yeah. yeah, Black Goliath. <laughs> yeah, um, as a as a reference there. I'm sorry we didn't actually get to see him like in actual action or in a, in a flashback or something like that. But I think it was a cool call out. And it was a little. I mean, I agree. I, there was a little bit on the disappointing side that they kind of, you know, again like at a spoiler level three uh, was they took a little bit of a turn with him that I wouldn't say was necessarily in keeping with his character, but it seemed to work out okay with the way the plot worked. To which do you refer? Uh, they, they a little villainized him a little bit, oh, kind of. I, they made him sympathetic to a different character for a different reason, but yeah. Right. Yeah. But he was also very antagonistic to, like, Henry Pym, which, you well, know, is not necessarily... You know, like I said, this is a thing where, to make it theirs, they changed a few pieces on it, and I'm just as happy to see, uh, see him in it uh, than to have like try to have them pull some of this convoluted stuff to make it fit. I, you know, I, kind of... Well, they they established very clearly in the first Ant Man film that that Hank Pym kind of turned his back on Shield, and they just right. put the. I mean, and, and he he really wanted nothing to do with any of the any any Shield technology sharing. You know, none of their agents. He he was very antagonistic, which which set up. Um, set up Scott really well for Team Cap in Civil War, I think, you know, putting him against the Stark uh, powerhouse, since uh, Howard Stark was very pro-Shield. Um, but uh, putting putting Foster and and uh, Pym on opposing sides um, made for interesting, an interesting uh, yeah. dynamic, you know, kind of... I don't, I don't think they... What you what you term villainize? I'm not sure that's the proper. It's not the best yeah. term for it, for sure. Uh, it was, it was one of those ones where they kind of had a little bit of a turnaround in the writing, where they you're you know it was you first see him and it's like oh it's Bill Foster they're yeah, doing yeah. Uh, it's Goliath <laughs> cool, uh, and then he's like oh but he's helping like the air quotes bad guy of the film, which really was more of a sympathetic villain, someone who is, you know, again, like, affected by a bad science accident. Uh, but, and yet they established there's a line that he did not want to cross. You know, sure. He did not want to bring in um, Scott's family or attack, you know, children or anything like that. Because you know? you've got to have rules. Well, yeah, he started out helping a child, so it would make him a hypocrite to uh, turn around and use that power to attack another child or two. Um, threaten somebody else's family. Right. But, I mean, <laughs> as a whole, though, I took the story as... It was pretty decent. Uh, I liked where Super they went fun. with it. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's definitely the fun aspect of what they're doing. Like, this is... These are definitely feel more 
comedic, like even more so than Guardians, uh, which Guardians is definitely at the turn was like one. It took a more comedic slant on it, like where it wasn't just like a little. We're gonna slip this in to get a laugh, like you'd see in some of the Avengers movies and stuff like that. Uh, they they played a little loose with the with the, with the rules of humor, and that sure. was that was to its benefit. Um, not as broad as perhaps. Uh, Thor Ragnarok, which I think was yeah. I mean, that was an interesting balance, and like the only thing I think with Ant Man and the Wasp that may have left me a little cold was just the at some point you're like, okay, how many times are they gonna pull the how can Scott get back to the apartment before they discover he's gone? Mm. You know, shtick. Uh, although I love the the high school thing where he was like stuck at half size or whatever. Yeah, and, yeah that was two quarter size. Hey, yeah, get back stuff. to your room. Turn yeah, around. that kind of stuff was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but as a whole, it was a good movie. Um, you know, really, it's one of those ones that you can... The movie itself, you can just take as a whole. It's uh, predominantly its connection to Endgame is largely a cutscene towards the end, which I'm not going to discuss at all, because if you haven't seen it... Well, I, 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 I think at this point, you know, it. yeah. I, I guess, you know what? I guess we're far enough into it. That, you know, Infinity War is out there on Netflix, so if you see Infinity War, you know that, you know, people get evaporated dusted right or snapped snapped whatever your 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 preferred uh term of phrase yeah preferred uh, <laughs> term for uh whatever thanos did to you at the end of uh at the end of infinity war i mean again spoiler alert thanos gets thanos wins okay it's right. it's it's definitely a down point at the end of infinity war thanos wins and uh which is great to i mean for that to have been a film that was released Followed up several months, well, a number of months later by Ant-Man and Wasp, which breaks right into comedy. Um, and it's, it's a very light-hearted film. And, and then said, you get a cut scene. Having, 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 seen, you know, having seen nothing else, if you just started watching that and watched the whole movie right up to where the credits begin, it's a fun movie. But then it, there's a mid-credits scene that turns very dark. Um, and uh, because you realize we're, we're starting to... To, the timelines are starting to merge and we realize we've caught up with what happens at the end of Infinity War um, so I was I was disappointed almost I mean I, I we kind of, everybody knew what was coming everybody knew something was going to happen but who and by the time we get to the end of the cutscene the mid-credits cutscene of Ant-Man and Wasp um, we are we're left very much in a state of like oh my god uh, what's going to happen Who's you know? Uh, what's going to happen with uh, Scott? All, Scott's left alive, but he's left uh, in the quantum realm and without any contact. So this, well, and yeah. his lifeline. I mean, his mechanism to get back to the normal world yeah. is like literally disintegrates. Yes. So I mean that, and that's how they kind of leave it. So in a way, it's like it's a cutscene, but it's also like one of the bigger cliffhangers going into absolutely uh, into yeah. Endgame. But according to all of the fairly current and coherent theories of what's going to happen, is that the quantum realm is going to play figure fairly heavily into Endgame, and so it in it all it's the, kind of a MacGuffin. It's a MacGuffin. Yeah, all the promotional material seems to lead that knowing. Knowing what you do from Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp about the quantum realm and its significance will be a key player in Endgame. Yeah, there's a couple of there's a couple of key phrases in the movie is that uh, 
literally like time and space work differently in the quantum realm almost in a way it like it subverts like the natural order of things which to me seems from a writing standpoint that's very much like that's their MacGuffin. like uh we can talk a little bit about when we get towards to the end of the broadcast we'll talk a bit about maybe some of our predictions for where they're going um but i think that the yeah definitely the quantum realm is going to play into it fairly uh heavily for the recovery theories well, that are out there this, of us this, getting everybody back this could everybody. be a deus ex machina for right. for uh whatever happens as the resolution of endgame um but we shall see for for those you know for a quick footnotes version on what is the quantum realm i think a, a, a brief uh description of what it is well the yeah the quantum realm for the mcu is very different from what would be in in the comics is typically referred to as the microverse Microverse, and in a way they kind of merge the microverse and the negative zone or at least the feel of those two realms into one consolidated realm and even like the uh a lot of the it's not the Russos, but somebody like they actually said that that was their idea was to combine these two realms like together into this new thing, sort of an underlying like if you follow physics like the quantum foam, mm-hmm. you know, element of time you know space time theory and yeah. stuff like that, where it's like it's literally kind of outside of the normal universe, and so things behave differently. We got a lot of wonky things. I'm not even gonna go into people that have like like blown up things in there and like have thought they've found like uh weird world and like all these other strange things in there like there's a pretty big running theory that the, that the black knight is going to show up in Endgame, which would oh, be dear. awesome if they yeah. do okay <laughs> but somehow that is a connection to the quantum realm but i said a lot of these theories are based purely on someone like blowing up a photo and like it's the equivalent of like oh. i saw jesus in my toast you oh, know kind of <laughs> really now. oh you know that's that's like yeah like lost theories right i mean i would love to see the black fight show the up but the, face, like, the black dust is <laughs> the smoke monster the smoke monster the yeah. smoke monster is is us okay. yeah, I don't know. uh but yeah, I mean, as a whole, definitely go see it. It does, I would say it's one of the recommended watches before going in Endgame. Um, the other piece that was on the horizon uh, going into this was Captain Marvel. And that's yes. more of the newer of the the movies we're going to be talking about. But it is definitely, in one way, the one of the bigger pieces to look at. And then it also raises a few more questions that I'm sure we'll see an answer almost immediately in the beginning of Endgame. Uh, but that's at the end, uh, the cutscene at the end of Infinity Wars. Of course, we see the infamous pager scene where, you know, Fury activates a pager, and then those of us who have been, you know, following along immediately recognize the symbol for Captain Marvel on the pages of the pager. But it doesn't really come to fruition until we actually see this movie show up, and now we're and see the costume and the the star symbol and everything on it. But now we're given a movie to show us what that really means. Um. I had a coworker ask me if Captain Marvel was a necessity viewing between Infinity War and Endgame. And I my my knee jerk reaction was of course, yes, absolutely. You know, like I, I don't think you I don't think you could leave a single movie out. In in retrospect, I probably wanted him to see it more than I felt like he should see it because he said like, you know, if he's budgeting and he had to see this movie, is that a crucial movie to be seen? Um I think, you know, 
yes, it is a crucial movie to be seen. Does it need to be seen before Endgame in order to appreciate who Captain Marvel is? What do you think of that? Uh, I would say yes, because I think if you're going into... The thing with Captain Marvel is I really feel they're writing her in as like a super weapon. And you kind of need to see the scene in the end with her like battling that whole fleet on her own to get really an idea of like what Kevin Feige and guys from Marvel are saying is that he... Okay. (laughs) F-E-I-G-E. Uh, I, I, I plead no contest. Uh, but from what they've been saying is that she is, like, flat out, like, the most powerful hero in the, in the MCU. And when you have characters like Thor and Ragnarok, uh, and you see what he can do in Infinity War, uh, and yet you have that scene in Captain Marvel where it's, like, that's a, a shadow of what she's capable of doing... And I think you need to see that to understand, like, the part of it is we, we need to understand why they need her, you know, for the next movie. But it also sort of little sets, I'm sure there's going to be a tone set for us, like, where has she been? Like, why wasn't she around during they, Infinity they, War? They like, why wasn't she there for the Battle of New York? And I think because you need to see Captain Marvel to understand that she left with the refugees and stuff like that. Um, not to be too spoilery, but there is a reason that she would not have been on Earth because she has feels she has a larger responsibility than just Earth by itself. I have a theory for that. If you'll indulge Do me tell. for a moment. In the movie Captain Marvel, we are introduced to um, Goose, who is a flurkin. <laughs> now, for those, yeah, uh, Neil, Neil groans because it's it's, it's a chewy. Damn it, it's chewy. It's, Chewy, Chewy comes later. I might, but um, for yeah, for those who who've seen Captain Marvel, uh, a flurkin is um, a creature that appears very much like your average tabby cat, um, but uh, is clearly something more. You know, and and those in the know are very terrified. It's it's a, it's a very um, dangerous animal, but but is has great loyalty and knows its friends. Um, we put the Flurkin on a level with, uh, Loki or with, uh, Star-Lord or anybody who can actually hold, you know, an Infinity Stone. Um, and because, uh, in order to, to save the Tesseract, which is introduced in, uh, well, reintroduced in Captain Marvel, um, Chewie actually ingests the Tesseract as a way to um, get it past the uh, the Kree or the Skrulls, rather. No, the Kree. I'm sorry, I was right, <laughs> right the first time. And well, they're both in it, but yeah. yeah. But since since Chewie has become uh, in in another science fiction term larger on the inside, um, I suspect that. Chewy probably swallowed Nick Fury's pager. At See, some you've point. already <laughs> changed it to Chewy at this point. So oh, I, I did. I, yeah, okay. I, uh, you, so, go ahead. Uh, I'll, Goose, I'll do the Chewy backstory. Okay. You go. You go through the Goose, movie. Goose. Yes. Um, <laughs> Goose has has ingested the has ingested Nick Fury's pager, and will only like you know regurgitate it at some point in order to. Uh, to summon Captain Marvel, you know, and so like it's not that. It's not that they didn't, you know, like they, they like. I'm sure Nick Fury was going, "Where's that damn pager?" 
but but you know Chewie was roaming the halls of the Triskelion or something like that, and then finally decided to uh, regurgitate the the pager when when uh, when Goose felt that uh, that time was near. So uh, Goose, by the way, in the in the movie is female. So I'm I, I suspect as as happened in the comics that. Goose probably had some progeny at some point, and one of those became Chewie. Did they say that, though? They didn't say that. That's a theory. Are we making that's assumptions a, of what we've read in the comics fan, and a, applying that? Aren't we doing... What is the purpose of this podcast if not to do <laughs> just that? But, uh, but yeah, so anyway, so that's, that's like, you know, fan theory number one. You know, it's like, well, where... But why, why wasn't Captain Marvel there? Well, Goose had something to do with it. Well, I mean... <sighs> Yes and no. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> that's that's a wild theory to be granted, right? You know, but so but plausible, right? My um, my whole experience with the whole flirting thing, like, was because obviously I had been uh, reading a lot of this stuff long before the movie ever came in, and this is one of the purest modes of the more recent comics influencing what we were going to see in the movie, or vice versa, like there's always a potential that the stories we were seeing in the comics were planned way in advance to coincide with what we were going to see in the movie. But there's a really good run with Captain Marvel where they were like, it's there's several phases of them reinventing her in the comics. We go from, you know, the black swimsuit and sash outfit, uh, the Ms. Marvel early, the whole yeah. Ms. Marvel setup, And then we get this really great run where we have, um, you know, new writers take over and a really great scene with Captain America where she, like, they basically tell her she needs she needs to own, like, this legacy because uh, in the movie they, they kind of gloss over this whole Marvel, Captain Marvel thing that is a much longer legacy story in the, in the comics. Where in the comics we originally have Marvel shows up. He's a member of the, the Kree, which is one of the races we see in the movie. He becomes a hero in his own right because he loves earth and he loves its people and he turns on the Cree uh to become a defender of earth and then ultimately then he becomes more of a galactic defender and he was actually at one of our first between him the original guardians of the galaxy and the silver surfer is sort of our exposure to the cosmic nova. marvel universe nova somewhat but nova like his power comes from the stars but it wasn't really until I think really like they delved into that a lot in New Warriors, but he was mostly Earthbound. Like they don't really talk about the world mind and things like that until Annihilation, which introduces when we get reintroduced to Peter Quill, who nobody had heard about. Like, we, and we talked about this in the previous yeah. uh, podcast about that importance of that whole Annihilation storyline to what we got in the MCU later. But um, the thing with so Marvel, to put a long story short, ends up literally getting cancer and dying. Um, and then space cancer. right space cancer uh, but his protege uh, Carol Danvers who well, I don't even want to go into the whole psych magnetron oh, and all of that no, no. but um, she ends up read a book kids right she ends up in essence having a lot of the same abilities as Marvell and then when Marvell passes she kind of dodges around this whole idea that maybe she's meant to take up that mantle and they don't really do that until this like 
third run on Captain Marvel. So we start this storyline where uh, she's decided to own up to the not only the concept and the legacy, but that means that she has to go beyond Earth, and that's the higher, further, faster storyline. I, I would say in order to enjoy Captain Marvel, none of this backstory is absolutely either re- you know required or necessary. Right, but it's, I'm getting yeah, I'm getting yeah. to the I'm getting to the thing. Yeah. So okay, no, it was a roundabout way, but continue. So the the higher, further, faster storyline introduces this idea that she's given a ship by Tony Stark, uh, with an, an AI by the name of Harrison, um, and then... Uh, After Harrison Ford from Star Wars. She, right. As established in the comics, Captain Marvel is a huge Star Wars fan. Right, so she she has an AI named Harrison, um, she's in this ship, and then she has her cat, which we had never seen up until this point, but she refers to the cat fairly consistent. Well, we've seen the cat, but there's no name or anything for the cat. Up until, what was there... I you know you you, 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 you jumped into like the second part of the run because it goes back a little bit further to 2012 in the um uh, the Kelly Carol, Su- the Kel- Carol Core Carol uh, Core a little bit earlier than that okay. a little bit earlier than that but but not um, Alpha Flight not Alpha Flight so before that okay yeah the the comics kind of you know stop and start and, and restart again um, based on what was happening with the Marvel universe at that time but uh, uh, Volume One uh, in Pursuit of Flight was a 2012 book which was uh, introduced to Captain Marvel as written by Kelly Sue DeConnick which really establishes uh, Carol as Captain Marvel it's where like in the, in the very first few pages of the book you know as as Captain America kind of gives her the title and she she takes off with it well they retell the origin too with the psych magnetron and all that like uh, fairly briefly in a few panels yeah so I'd, I'd say uh, that it's a good place to start at least that's where that's where i got on board with captain marvel i mean i had, I had known of ms marvel but but captain marvel at that point was the you know the first time i had picked up the book captain marvel and uh and it just made me a fan just from that from that first book so we get uh there's some time travel there's some fun right. stories we get to the where um, i'm pretty sure the cat is in there <laughs> so third the, yeah the cat is like is in it yeah. but it isn't until we get to the higher further faster where she's in the ship yes and she starts referring to the, or at least that's when i first start catching this was referring to the cat consistently as chewy which you know fits into this whole theme of you know her traveling in space her co-pilot is the cat which is named chewy her ai is harrison which we have her tied to harrison ford uh you know also known as han solo and probably one of my favorite scenes in like the last five years is rocket coming on board seeing this uh cat and immediately trying to like destroy it like yeah. literally like i believe the term kill it with fire yes. comes up at some point uh and that's where we find out that this cat is not a cat but actually a florkin uh and that it has an extra dimensional space in its stomach uh and can give birth to up to like a thousand offspring when it gets to that point uh trying to kill it before it lays eggs right you know. and and yet and everyone views it as this horrific thing but we learn that it actually has loyalty and it cares and it's oh yeah you know it's that and i that's it has, it what, has the temperament of a cat <laughs> and this is what they built around when because if we didn't have that prior further faster there would be no flurkin so we know that yes. this is how much they tailored before they decided to do the movie who knows but this becomes like maybe my one and only argument um which this really this is the biggest perpetuation of it but the just the, if it ain't broke don't fix it oh I mean, if it just didn't match up with the timeline, that's 
okay. All right, all right. But so, it, it, if you go with that, that they're trying to do a Top Gun reference, it is literally the only, other than maybe the one scene where they walk out with her and Monica Rambeau, is there, it's two Top Gun references in the entire like movie that that's what they were aiming for. Because that's literally that's the only reason they would name the cat Goose is as a Top Gun reference. There's no other right. reason to name the cat Goose. Mm. True. But there are far more reasons to tie it to Star Wars and stuff like that and still maintain the integrity well, of the original storyline. Let's consider the fact that uh, Disney now owns both Marvel and Star right. Wars. So probably having, There's two, no conflict probably of interest. having two Chewies would, would, would be a little, um, I don't know. I you know that, uh, The lawyers probably went like, Oh no, we can't quite do that. Yeah, I don't know. But I would think they would have more trouble referencing, referencing a character from another studio than doing one from their own. Paramount? <laughs> yeah, like Paramount, I think. Previously did. Right. Man, I mean. <laughs> but I mean, it's it, this is what I just don't get. I mean, I'm sure that uh, any of the writers would validate the decision that they did. It doesn't ruin the movie. Uh, the it movie, just irked me that <laughs> we, we we are we are quibbling, and we should say I at least. You know, from my point, Captain Marvel is a wonderful, essential movie. Sure, yeah, I definitely agree that it is a... It's one that you should watch, notwithstanding Goose and all of those ramifications. That's just don't, my... Don't that's let, my tilting at windmills. Don't, don't let the nerd <laughs> faction, uh, you know, dissuade you from... I don't always get goodness. irate, but that one uh, bugged me for some uh, reason. I, as a, I couldn't tell you why. Something that didn't make me irate, and something that I liked a lot, did not make me irate, and something I liked a lot more than I thought I was going to like was Into the Spider-Verse, um, which I believe was also forthcoming. Uh, you saw it how many times? I 12, saw it, 15 times? Uh, no, not, not even. <laughs> I, did I see it twice or three times? Uh, at least twice. At least twice. It was, Wait, I've seen it more times than you? Because uh, I think I've actually seen it four times. In the times. theater? Or did, did you oh, not in the theater. No, about, no I've, I've, I've definitely watched it more times since I purchased it okay. digitally but um in, in the actual theater yes we we caught a an early showing now i should probably preface this by saying into the spider-verse is also a wonderful essential movie but incidentally not essential to your end game but not viewership. yes i should say not <laughs> part of like the marvel the mcu as we know it quite yet um it is a it was a uh Standalone uh, product by uh, uh, Sony Animation, um, delving into their Spider-Man property, and for the first time introducing the character of Miles Morales, um, known to comic book readers as like Spider-Man, uh, literally the Spider-Man who replaced Peter Parker in um, a particular universe. Yeah, he was kind of I think the culmination of a lot of the intent of the Ultimates universe, which was. Yes a reimagining of several characters some of which were not that far off from what their original concept were but uh miles morales is kind of a little bit of genius like it was giving us a new spin on a character that i think for some audiences probably is more popular than peter parker uh, yeah i mean well i mean what would be your take you you've seen seen read that kind of stuff i mean would you be if you had to choose between the two I'll give you your Sophie's choice. You take Peter or Miles. If you can only have one Spider-Man. If I can only have one Spider-Man, it's Miles. 
Yeah, for me, it's Spider-Man 2099. Well, <laughs> you you cheated there because, <laughs> as, as the movie establishes, there is a Spider-Verse out of there. You know, like I, Spider-Ham. Uh, you know, you you can't see it because I am wearing a Spider-Ham T-shirt. Um, yeah, I'm. I should also point I know out you, that I, I did you, name my son Miles. You dig the the anthropomorphic characters a lot more than I than I do. Count with the exception of Rocket, who I think. What do you mean the exception of Rocket? You, well, you, know, you think well, I like as, as anthropomorphic characters go, yeah. who fits into a, a quote-unquote normal universe? Right, he you know? fits. It's the same that like, I don't like Mixoplick, Batmite, like, oh, they're just okay. weird. What about Chip the Green uh, Lantern? No. No, I'm not doing it. <laughs> no. no. Although that's more acceptable at like the same reason why I'm okay with Rocket. Is that it fits in the sense the sense that it's an alien, you know, kind of thing. And I guess to a certain extent, we've got a, it's an extra dimensional life form. So okay. Howard the Duck. You know, uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't feel like too much one way or the other with Howard the Duck. Yeah. Uh, I think he's kind of a funny character that I've not read a single issue of anything that they've put him in realistically <laughs> not unless it was some it, type of a crossover he hasn't with been something crucial else. to any you know no. universal happenings i guess no. in your, yeah um no funny animals aside um the, the only reason is i for some reason i have not been the largest spider-man fan i enjoy him fine i don't dislike him he's just not like at the top of my you know he's not in my top five or he's never he's never scratched the top five for me um but in in recent developments, Spider-Verse, and also in another media, Spider-Man the video game uh, by on the PS4, has really, really turned me on uh, Spider-Man and has, has become one of the, one of um, my more, um, one, one character that I'm just like way more interested in now. You know, that got me to go back and rewatch Homecoming as as uh, you know, with with new eyes, you know, just kind of like wow, yeah, like maybe maybe I maybe I do like Spider Man. Holy crap! But there's um, a fantastic Easter egg for the whole Miles Morales thing. Oh, absolutely! Uh, in yeah. Homecoming, that you have to really know, you really have to know a lot of the backstory to catch it. But yeah, if you the thing is, is if you go if you watch this, uh, and I'm not going to touch too much on it because it could still be a little spoiler for some people out there. But do go see it. But there's elements of um, that you you watch the movie, and then if you go back, there's a particular scene in Homecoming where you're like, "Oh, that's that thing I saw." And, you know, it's yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a very so, cool moment uh, in that. Uh, like, little shout out to Danny Glover. Yeah, uh, no, no, want... no, Donald Glover. Don... <laughs> Danny Glover. Danny Glover. He's too old yeah. for. He's Danny... too old for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. My bad. <laughs> Uh, my apologies uh, for the wrong Glover. Childish Gambino. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was a nice uh, a little bit of shout-out to him because I know there had been a lot of talks of having him play uh, Miles Morales at he, one point. And, and he I did think the he voice in the cartoon. He did, he, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and it would have been great to, I think, have seen him. But um, somehow, in a way, the animated... And this is a thing I, I love about animated movies. When they're done well they can sometimes do a better job in a comic book universe type field than we're going to get out of live action. But Marvel's never done great with them. Like, they have not had a lot of, like, phenomenal cartoon movies. 
I mean, may, the only one I really liked that they produced was like when they did the Doctor Strange one, which is mm-hmm. way off kilter to what we later you know see with the live action movie. But, also on Netflix too. I think. But it's it, it's yeah. great. It's a great movie in its own right. Yeah. The the Iron Man one. I only can get through it because I'm an Iron Man fan and I just want to like it, but it's it's really <laughs> I, I, not that great. I think great. that's the, they do the Mandarin story. Yeah, he's like a problem. ghost or uh, like some kind of spiritual entity, and it's like no, I mean yeah. we, Iron Man's a, he's a science character with science villains. Uh, the mystical stuff is like throwing a little too much of a curveball. I would that. I would say that uh, ultimately Sp- Spider Man into the Spider Verse is a great introduction to the character of Miles Morales. It is one that I have heard almost nothing but universal praise, and this is from people who aren't superhero fans, aren't cartoon fans, aren't Spider-Man fans. They see this movie and they love it. You know that it just it just speaks to something about the humanity of the characters, um, because ultimately, yeah, the, the the story is about people. I mean, it, uh, it's uh, saying it's a superhero movie kind of confuses the frame for the picture. Um, and that's what I think Spider-Man at best is, is a story about, you know, a boy who is struggling in the world, um, in his, you know, particular world. Um, he just happens to wear a costume and fight with bad guys, uh, who are also like ridiculously super powered, but, um, it does a, it does a fantastic job. It's got a great sense of humor. It, uh, it stays, uh, pretty faithful to the comic books um i think in spirit if not not you know not literally to the comics but uh and uh and i think it's just got you know something for everybody in it including people who are into funny animals and you know their their inclusion in the super universe too which um which i love about that you know john mulaney as the voice of spider ham is genius Yeah, and for me, uh, part of the reason I wanted to talk a little bit about this is because I think it's somewhat uh, crucial to what's happening. Now, while not crucial to Endgame, um, it does introduce something that's fairly prevalent in the Marvel Universe that I think is going to be a fairly big deal with the Fox merger finalized, and that's the idea of a multiverse. So, uh, this is like, to me, is the best way to ease in that introduction of the idea that there is more than one potential universe, like there are all these like parallel worlds where things happen slightly differently. You have a little bit different version of a particular character. Um, Anyone can wear the mask. Right. (laughs) Um, And this is a very fun way to do it, but now it's out there. So, like, this is a thing. Uh, This is something that if they decide to poke it into a movie, anyone who's seen this is like, oh, that's right, there's all those parallel universes. They talked about that in Into the Spider-Verse. It's not going to be a new thing like when we see this. Um, I would say, like, my take on Into the Spider-Verse is that I did think it was a fairly faithful representation because it's um, it's not easy, and I in a lot of the interviews I saw with uh, Brian Bendis is that it was not easy to go into, like, a boardroom and say, we're going to kill Peter Parker, mm. you know, which is, is flat out that was their plan. Like, when they started doing Ultimate Spider-Man, they, had, they knew they were going to be introducing a new character, and for that character to truly be Spider-Man, the old Spider-Man had to go but they did it in a in a way that happened very differently in the mainstream universe of that where he had previously been able to beat the goblin in the ultimates universe he does but at the cost of his you know his own life which is different than how the movie plays it out but we get that same mechanic is that um miles is is heavily influenced by this heroic ideal set by 
you know, Peter Parker, Peter Parker dies, someone has to step up. As you said, it could be anyone in the mask, but someone has to wear that mask. Like someone's got to step up and do it. And so for me, it felt very much like, well, and to me, it's retelling the Spider-Man mythos. It, quite yes. frankly, in a similar way, but with a different character, because and you for, have for a new audience. For yeah, you know. Peter Parker was a you know, he was very much that his era of you know Spider Man and basically however you want to look at the continuity nowadays was very much about the struggle of your teenage years in high school. A boy in trouble. Yeah. yeah. Well, and <laughs> let's and let's <laughs> Super you know gorgeous. to me it was a little bit of a <clears throat> maybe too uncomfortably close of a mirror of being a little bit of a, like a myself in in junior high and high school as a comic nerd who still collected action figures and stuff like that and liked science well, and reading and things that so it struck a chord for me you, you, you projected yourself onto this hero in, in, a, in a sense in a sense uh, which, is peter, what, which is what we should do and yeah peter is one character i mean but but i think that's what we do with our favorite heroes is we 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 see ourselves in them, and Miles Morales um, reflects more, you know, a, a wider audience as well, because I think, um, you know, he is he is black, he is Latino, um, and he he is more reflective of I think of, of like a New York audience, you know, like from where he comes from uh, in Brooklyn, and I think that's a, a crucial point. I mean, something that, that is crucial to to Miles as a character. Um, and, uh, it just, uh, it just says, you know, it does, it, it, it's, it's not just any audience. I mean, it, I mean, it could, it could be anyone. Yeah. I mean, and this is a little bit of dangerous ground to tread because there's a lot of this stuff that, not, not for not, us, not, 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 not be, for us, not, yeah, no, but this is controversial some of these similar, yeah. but these similar things were voiced when Black Panther came out. It's like, there's. We're safe. We're in a safe enough environment now. We can tell stories where every character does not have to be white, does not have to fit into a particular piece. We can look at um, different ethnicities playing characters that traditionally have been written much differently. Or, as you pointed out earlier, having a female character play a character that you had traditionally male yeah, with traditionally no, male with no issues yeah. on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but even thinking like the the whole Heimdall argument, like Idris Elba is one of, probably one of my most favorite actors currently that's out there, and Top he was, three, and he was an amazing version of Heimdall. If you like, you know, take away the whole thing of like these are like obviously a very like this is a Nordic. race that influenced yeah. the Nords, you know, and the you know, but if you if you take a step back, you can be okay with it, and I think that's a lot of what. Um, I think Miles Morales represented a, you know, it's, you think about it compartmentalized, it's the same story. You have teenager, get spider-based powers, experiences loss, steps up from the loss to be a hero. I mean, Peter Parker does the same thing, slightly different trajectory to get there. Miles Morales, same thing, slightly different trajectory, they end up kind of in the same place. Um, but as you said, what makes the difference is the environment they tell the story in. They're telling the story in a, from a different side of town, so to speak, with a different character, with a different background. His dad's a police officer. You know, his mom's a nurse. You know, these are elements that are very different of, you know, how Peter Parker, who was raised by his aunt, you know, like who his parents are already dead by the time we meet him. You know, it's just, it's different 
and yet similar. Like there are these elements that are kind of the same well, overall. Every, yeah, every every hero follows a certain path, you know, that, that is similar and different. I, I, the the point of the Spider Verse too is we also are introduced to Spider Gwen. Yes, or, my you know, uh, my woman as she calls herself, but <laughs> or Ghost Spider, ghost depending, spider on depending on where yeah. they just what direction they decide to go. But yeah, I was really excited that they used her as well. Um, for those of you who don't know, my daughter Gwen is convinced that mm-hmm. uh, Spider Gwen is named after her. Um, I will say I did not name her after <laughs> Spider Gwen. That was just a lovely happenstance afterwards. No, we named her after Guinevere because she was our princess, so we named her. I'm also a big fan of Arthurian legends, and you know, I just thought that was the. Which I believe means shadow I'm, in the original Celtic. Uh, could be. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, for me, it was more of the like the idea of the like everyone who's normal would name your kid Jennifer. Me, I'm going to go back a few hundred generations to what that name was yes. beforehand. Well, but yeah, she was very excited to see that. Um, I love the rendition they did. Like lined up with her perfectly because she is uh doing dance and ballet and then now you've got this character who is a spider person with spider powers she has like she wears ballet shoes as part of her costume i mean she could not be happier with the rendition for that um i went with uh to see this i went to the theater with both of my kids because it seemed very much like this is ideally the movie i need to go see with my kids uh, I enjoyed it far more than I thought I would. Uh, it's also one that I was really happy that I went with my kids because I think if I had any issue with it at all was the the nature of the animation was a little stroby, like kind of it was different enough that it kind of felt just a little odd, but not in a way that like I was okay with it. Uh, when we ended up watching it again at home, I remember my wife made a comment like, I could not sit through the theater and watch this. Like, it was that kind of disjointedness to mm. the animation. I mean, they were just trying a new style, and I think it worked for what they were doing. Um, but it was interesting. That's something I've heard from a few other folks, too, that was just like kind of a, just an odd, almost subliminal kind of put your teeth on edge kind of. Dealing with it, it's the style they went with, yeah. and even though it's, it was a little apparent that um, it was definitely different, even from the previews, um, I think your brain just slips into it at some point sure. and just goes with it. And it's something there was something different about the big screen on the movie theater and oh. the small screen at home. Absolutely, something worked a little bit better with that. Uh, but I think that one of the things I really, again, liked about this was the whole introduction of the multiverse, which I think is going to become really important because the whole Fox merger is finally a thing. So, uh, the big talk of, and man, the massive amount of speculation, as much as we see going into, uh, end game. I mean, the real speculation game is how soon are we going to see Fox properties show up in the MCU? Uh, my take, uh, I'd say this is an ideal time to reboot, Fantastic Four, and I would way rather see them first over the X-Men, even though I like the X-Men a lot better. Uh, I think it's a better time to introduce the Fantastic Four. Uh, I would not be surprised if in Endgame we have some kind of cutscene that is going to that's my show that's, us that happening. That's one of my, my best fan predictions right now. I think one of the one of my, my most insightful is because in, in the movie um, Spider-Man Homecoming, we see the Marvel's mo- the the Marvels, <laughs> the Marvel family. Uh, the Stark Stark is relocating, you know, Avengers Tower to the facility upstate. 
Right. And that tower will become what? We don't know yet, really. It's... Um, so you're saying it's going to become Four Freedoms Plaza? That's what I'm... The Baxter building. You know, yeah. I, I hope that uh, that will eventually turn into um, perhaps a, loca- a good location for the Fantastic Four. Um, wish... I mean, that's, that's wish fulfillment right there, but... You know what? I, I called a couple scenes in Infinity War, so I think I'm. I, I might be pretty good on that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't read fan sites. I don't read you know predictions. I don't read you know spoiler blogs or anything like that. I'm. I'm. I'm just kind of. I'm approaching it as a fan, as as someone who loves these movies, and things that I think would kind of like, you know, make me give me a little happy shiver. Yeah, I, I think for me, it's it's just a it's a foregone conclusion that these big properties are they're going to become a part of the mcu it's how they do it is going to be the interesting part of the journey uh they're going to have to recast pretty much everybody or i mean that's not hard with the fantastic four which is why i think they'll probably i hope they pursue that one first but on the downside we've had so much great performance history with hugh jackman it's hard to see anyone else playing it but that's definitely you can't have the x-men without wolverine i don't i just don't think you can do that you could you could could really try but i don't think you can do it forever you know and and uh there's been a very successful run with a uh female wolverine um well and x-23 they all but basically like introduced her in logan so i mean it's not like that's a far out theory either but again if you're if you're in essence rebooting all of this i think to get to x23 we still have to see logan in some way shape or form uh we got to scott lang pretty quickly in the, in the true MCU. but <laughs> we just we just like sailed right if i had my if i had my druthers i would say the best possible thing they could do is Let's have an end game, some kind of crazy moment where, thanks to the quantum realm or whatever, we see all these other universes, mm-hmm. and we get a little peek at Hugh Jackman as Old Man Logan, just for a second. Yeah. And then they can introduce someone new. Yeah. <laughs> in the role, but I think, due to the fact that he said over and over again that, like after he did Logan, it's like they asked him if he would do Wolverine again. He goes, "I would love to do it if I could ever be in like an Avengers movie or something like that, or if mm. I could be part of the MCU." And now it could be a thing. Mm. So are they going to do it? We'll see. But yeah. it does bring up a lot of interesting. There's a lot of interesting stuff they could do. I would love to see Marvel do the X Men, but it's a hefty property, and I think that there's been a lot of. I mean, I am not adverse to or don't like the first class era of uh, x-men properties um i think they progressively no, maybe not it, gotten they've gotten kind of a little bit worse it with started to get very warped for me um yeah. i'm kind of actually the latest trailers have me kind of intrigued to see dark phoenix but i'm gonna kind of leave it at that i don't want to i don't want to set myself up save for, that for another podcast right exactly yeah. but they're gonna have to redo everything and i think that just kind of in a way tables it they've got other properties on their on their list that we're going to talk about in a second but I think it's ideally the Fantastic Four is like should be their next move. I think is get get that up and running, you know, make that part of the MCU. I think the the popular casting, and uh, who's like John Krasinski and um, his wife Blunt. 
Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt. Uh, yeah. Mr. and Mrs. Fantastic would be... If they could get him, that would be amazing. It would be a, a, a coup. So who do we do with... You know what I would... And I would say, if you're going to go that route, like if we're going to dreamcast this, yeah. uh, we do a mostly CGI thing, and mm. I want to hear Ron Perlman voice him. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I can see that. That would be amazing. Be Come on. Uh, and just pick... Someone out of left field we've never seen to be the Human Torch. Probably, yeah. I mean, way back in the day, it was Chris Evans. Yeah, it's true. Hadn't heard much about yeah. him at the time, and look where he went oh, off of that. You know, I remember watching a somewhat little scene movie, perhaps called Cellular. Oh yeah, you recall that yeah, one? Yeah, 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 yeah. Where he was a young guy running around Los Angeles with uh, Kim Basinger on the other end of the phone. Did you see Push? I did see Push. Push is amazing. Yeah. I mean, if you again, that, if you that, want to pick to go see, that's a great like in, low budget movie. That with went into my in superhero it. library. Yeah, yeah, that's I've a good one. That one and uh, Chronicles another Chronicle. one. If you like, if you like Michael P. Jordan, I was gonna say yeah, Chronicles is another one that kind of ended up in my superhero yeah. library as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, uh, I would say so. Okay, here's another thing: is if you if you do the Fantastic Four, you've got to do. There's so many stories they could work with. Which villain do you do first? Do you jump right to Doctor Doom? No. Because um, honestly, you well, know where you know where I would start. I would just do. I do no. I do Galactus <laughs> right off the bat. Oh dear. Well, gosh, that's a that's a big bad, literally. Yeah, I would. I would do origin story. What about and, Kang? I mean, you know, like is uh, a, well. See, here's the to... thing. This is if as a master plan. If. If they want to do it where, to cater to me as a fan, we need to introduce the Fantastic well, Four so we can actually have an accurate rendition of King. Uh, so we introduce the Fantastic Four. I say we do a big story. like I, Because if we do Galactus first, we get the Silver Surfer and a bunch of other like potential characters that could literally spin off their own movies. Uh, I know a lot of people want to see the Silver Surfer. So, I mean, I would say that would be a great way to sort of edge into that. But I don't think, you don't start with Doctor Doom, then they need to cast that one perfectly. Like, that one needs to be a, a well-done yeah. thing. It can't be just some, some good-looking guy who kind of is the Doctor Doom. There has to be, this is a character I think there has to be a voice. Like, hmm. this, this is a guy who's going to spend a lot of time... Behind acting behind a mask and so because of that the presence has to be voice it has to be body language it's a harder role to cast uh than a lot of other stuff it's similar to like if you're going to do a cgi thing that will look good uh you need a voice you can mocap i mean for sure but mm. at the same token you need a voice you need something gravelly uh bronxy you know kind of you know yeah. it's got to have that feel you got to have that yancy streak yeah. You know, yeah, feel yeah, to it, yeah, right? Uh, but I mean that. Yeah, I, I would. For voice casting, please cast me. I would. <laughs> I would love to see that come to fruition, but I mean that's going to be phase four point five or five or whatever we end up doing. Uh, so let's uh, post end game strategies. The other thing about this whole like the Fox merger notwithstanding, the other big thing is that Disney finally announced their streaming service piece which came out a lot lower than disney i thought plus. disney plus is going to be like seven bucks a month what I oh saw. i'm sure it's a trap <laughs> it'll be seven, it's a trap it'll, it'll be seven bucks for about two years and then they'll say we're gonna raise this to like nine dollars to bring you premium content like all the disney animated films and all the could be i mean i think 
That's me being a little. They sure. Yeah, I mean, I guess the pessimistic of what we've been seeing with streaming services would say that, but I think that they're get, also get everybody hooked, and then then they're then but they're, I think they're stuck. I, I, on the one hand, I want to agree with you, but I also think that they are coming into this with a lot of competition in the field, and Apple is like already yeah. like yeah. had a huge thing where they were showing a lot of their creative content. And if they're going to do a short term, you get it for this price and then bump it, they're going to lose a lot of people. There's just too much competition. I think that, like, you have to... to It's going to be harder to cancel that service once you're hooked on it, though. Well, true, but at the same token, um, I don't know. See, here's the thing is, I don't think it's that hard to cancel services. Uh, Uh, It's what I do with HBO all the time. Like, I, I sign into HBO so I can watch Game of Thrones, and as soon as it's over, I'm out. And I don't have to deal with it for, like, well, in this case, almost like freaking two years that I've had since I've had an HBO subscription. But the thing is that, on the sad note, I think that the whole Disney thing is sort of predicated a little bit more of this competition is we just saw the demise of all the Netflix stuff. And I think that yeah. it felt very planned to me. I think it was this thing where Netflix, whether you want to call it that Netflix is, is like turning the screws on Disney slash Marvel saying... You know, hey, we get we helped put you guys on the map, uh, and you want to take all of this stuff away for your own streaming service. Well, we're not going to help you anymore. Cancel, uh, like canceled everything. Like the only thing that's left is what one more season of Jessica Jones that was pretty much in the can when they started announcing everything else was getting canceled. I think so. I think that might be so, the last. Yeah. But the odd thing is, and here's where we get into little conspiracy theory-ish kind of thing, is that none of these actors have been recast in anything else, and typically that happens fairly quickly. So there's been a lot of rumors that hmm. Marvel's waiting a I estimated amount of time where they can't produce anything, but they want to keep all these actors in the hopper. That is wish fulfillment number two for me, is yeah. to see some point in the upcoming Endgame just maybe a glorified cameo of like, you know, the seat, the streets of New York and uh, Matt Murdock, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage... Danny Rand, I'll look up at some point and, you know, like, hmm, what's going on up in the skies there? You know, what's going on over there and should we be a part of it? Uh, it would be great. I don't think it's going to happen. That's where I start getting pessimistic. Yeah, I think, just wish for fulfillment. Yeah, it would be great if they did it. Um, I think that there's going to be so many moving parts in this movie that I would love if they did every fan service thing. I just think that they, they're going to have a lot going on. Uh, <laughs> but the um, the downside is I think Netflix did a great job like carrying that banner for a while and it's sad to see the way it went out uh, where we had all these like conflicting things of it, 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 got, it got stretched yeah, yeah. 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 they but were trying to milk it <laughs> we'll see what happens I mean there's a lot of stuff to be excited about I mean from a Star Wars perspective I think I'm actually I'm actually I will say I'm actually more excited to see the Mandalorian than the new Star Wars movie interesting there's something about you're not the only person I've heard say that. There's but. something about the visuals for that and the fact that it will be an ongoing series that will slowly unravel itself and try, instead of trying to, here's what we can give you in two and a half hours, mm. you know, kind of thing. There's just something more appealing about that. Uh, maybe it's just the newness of an idea of a, the first live-action Star Wars show ever. Um, mm. You know, it's just one of those things. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited for that it's, part of it's, it. It's, um, it's a different format for storytelling, and uh, I'm very curious to. So you've seen, see and you've seen the, the like the stuff they've showed with the Disney shows that they're doing the Marvel ones. So we've saw uh, we, what we've heard. 
the here horrifically and named uh, oh, WandaVision. WandaVision. <laughs> In my mind, it's Wanda forward slash Vision. Yeah. But, oh, well. Yes. We've got um, Falcon, Falcon Winter and Soldier. Winter Soldier, or as I like to call it, Captain's America. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I, I don't know how much of this is just, you know seating the audience you know because because with the announcement of all of these shows you know we've, we've heard uh potential of a warmonger series we've heard or, or not well, i'm sorry war uh war machine uh war machine series we've heard the the falcon winter soldier everybody's starting to now use this as fodder to predict what's going to happen in endgame uh granted i'll take all of it i will i will i will take all of your you know all the shows you will give me about you know the the the, the ongoing adventures of these characters, you know, maybe they won't be, maybe they'll, they'll follow the, uh, the British preferred format of like, you know, fewer episodes, better episodes. Well, if they're rather than like 24, your standard, like 24 episodes. Yeah, season kind you, of stuff. you hit a good point there. I think that ideally their best path is to do like what the BBC does, like for their stuff is like do a show with no anticipation of another season. Yeah. Like do six episodes with a tight story arc. Do three episodes and of then Luther and yeah, you know, and then maybe go back to it if it's popular enough. If it's not, leave it as it is and move on to something else and you know make something cool out of that. There, you know? there are hundreds of Marvel comics, and each of them could you know, we could do a Moon Knight series. We could do, uh, Hawkeye's. I think was another one that was coming. You know. Yeah, to me that was in a way the somewhat disappointing factor of the end of the netflix era is that uh and time will tell we'll have to see the the flavor of the series that they start off with because uh as much as i would love to see a moon knight series uh every concept they've talked about is dark enough i don't see disney doing it because it's maybe it's a little too dark uh net it would be totally at home at netflix but oh that's right punisher was doing it another one weren't they well, Punisher, Punisher had their second season, but there's nothing after that. It's that oh, one was okay. canceled too. Oh, well. uh, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. But uh, yeah, I mean, I it the tone of what these shows will look like, like if they're gonna if if Disney's if the MCU is operating under its own pretense of this character is a little bit dark, so we're gonna do it dark. This character is a little bit more lighthearted. We'll do that then it's possible we could see something like Moon Knight or something like that. But I may have to relegate myself to hoping that they do it as a movie uh, rather than a show because that may be the only way we ever see it take off. Um, which kind of... All right, if we're going to keep this to a 2.30 mark, let's um, let's go into our endgame predictions. So we'd, we'd love to continue this discussion through uh, you know your contact, so you can reach out to us. Uh, well, we will. Uh, yeah. We're gonna post some stuff up where you know again, you're always welcome to hit up our Facebook thing and post any questions or anything you'd like us to dive into. And Instagram. Uh, and we'll talk more about this whole Disney, you know, Disney Channel Fox merger. There's a, there's just a lot more to it with that. But I'd like to get into Endgame, and I'd like to talk a little bit about the uh, end of Phase Three, moving into phase four so let's uh let's jump into endgame we just don't know a lot about like you said you avoid all the spoilerific sites i I do i've kind of shut myself off and kept a low a low social media presence some people like literally left social media entirely because between game of thrones and endgame like they just don't want to see anything the struggle is real because uh, i i follow a lot of um fan sites i i follow a particular captain america page and falcon page and both of them 
in in the best of intentions have posted warnings against people sometimes on their own in their own fan communities that will try and play the gotcha game where like they get to be the first to tell you xyz is going to happen you know and uh and that has scared me enough to stay away from that you know just uh, as much as i love watching those sites and i love watching the fans interact because they're they're generally the good type of fans um there are going to be the 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 overzealous fans who will just come out with you know just be able to say like oh it's the end for such and such character or whatever yeah, I, I don't want to know. I, I really don't want to. The, 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 the I've stuck to trailers. trailers. I love trailers. Like, love trailers. So if there's a trailer out there, I'll probably watch it. Um, but, yeah, I've avoided a lot of... There's been a lot of interesting... Some of the theory stuff is interesting, but I take it as just that. It's like, it's theory. Uh, we know none of it is, is for sure. But it's, there's a lot of interesting stuff about, you know, the contracts that are up. I've got my own personal theories of, I think, how they're going to move forward with some of these characters. Yeah. Um, I've even talked about some of it on this very podcast. But, uh, I mean, I think, okay, survivability. Who do we think is, if you had to, if you're writing it, who's going to make it, who's going to make it, who's not going to make it? My Real quick. My call, I mean, you know, here's here's where I think the whole arc has been, because I've been rewatching a lot of the Marvel movies and trying to kind of, like, see, you know, if you're going to write the best happy ending on this. The the Tony Stark Pepper Potts romance has been riding the waves through the entire Marvel MCU. You know, through the entire MCU of, of like they're they're starting to find romance. They're a couple. They're officially a couple. They break up. They get back together again. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's you know surprise appearance at the end of the Spider Man movie was like oh because you know Civil War had kind of prepped us for the fact that they were on a break and now they're back together again and now he's proposing to her you know he's got the wedding ring in his pocket and by the beginning of um infinity war they're together so i think there's no way there's no better way than to put a happy ending on this than, than to kind of like partner them up uh have them married and living happily ever after i think that 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 they would they would do that for uh robert downey jr who has been um a juggernaut you know i, I don't want to say he's like holding the entire mcu on his shoulders but People have, have kind of given him that uh, that right, and I, I think he's earned it. You know, <laughs> well, he's definitely the most significant spokesperson for the MCU at this point. Like he's done probably more appearances, public relations or otherwise. He has owned the role. Yeah. He has basically owned that role, and it, it it become like an inextricable part of his legacy. As you know, for all the highs and lows, he's 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 uh, parallel. I mean, his. His, his own personal journey, I think, has paralleled sure. that of Tony Stark's. Uh, I mean, I, I parallel your thoughts entirely. My spin on it is that I think, based on some of the conversations we see in Infinity War, where obviously Pepper wants him to give up the whole hero thing. It's like, there are other people that can do this. And he's like, but I still like feel like I'm a part of it. Uh, I think they're going to take... Um, I think they're going to take a, a concept from the comics. I think what we're going to get is he is going, like, we're going to get the happy ending. He is going to step away and yet not because I think we're going to see either a cutscene or something where there's going to be an AI Tony Stark that will enable him to be a part of the MCU and literally phone it in. Literally. Whenever, yeah. they, want to ha whenever they want to use him, they can just have this AI, yeah. like, show up that can still be mentoring, like, still be a part of the Avengers universe, still be part of it. 
Um, I think they've done a pretty good job setting up who the next people are going to be, which is interesting in and of itself. I think if you look at the the characters we've been shown, I think gives us a little bit of idea what's going to happen because we have T'Challa, who I think he represents Tony Stark. Like here's our guy with the money. He's a <laughs> genius. Sure he represents Tony Stark. He does. Well, they're both they're both similar. They're both geniuses. You know, but the thing is, the thing with Shuri is that while I love her as a character, um, there's just not enough traction in the comics, I think, for them to, I think that, I think she is, ended, ended up, she's going to fill kind of a role that, like, Hank Pym always filled in the MCU. Like, you know, Ant-Man is sort of this character that, for a while in the Avengers comic, is like a significant character, but then he almost is, spends more of his career as a scientist in the background, inventing cool things and doing cool stuff that, you know, ends up being a hero like are coming back in every time they needed to have a fill in until they could add some new characters and send. I think she'll kind of be in that a bit. I, we're not going to, it's not like we're going to see the last of Shuri and I'm sure that she will fill a rather significant role when we see Black Panther 2 come out. But I just see T'Challa as like stepping into the, like the same role that Iron Man fills in the Avengers where he is, whether we like to say it or not, whereas Cap is the, the moral and spiritual heart of the team the guy that's running the show is is Tony. And I think that T'Challa will slip into that. Um, on the same token, we've seen Captain you know, Captain Marvel introduced, who for all intents and purposes is like Thor and Captain America kind of rolled together. Uh, it's almost like those two characters are kind of like represented in one character there. Mm, one foot in the cosmos, one foot in the Right, and we know that uh, Robert Downey Jr., Chris Hemsworth, and Chris Evans, all their contracts are... I don't even think... I, you know, I think contracts are a wispy thing. Well, it, you know? We they, already they, know they're, it's... They're, they're, they're worth <laughs> as, as, as much as the paper that they're written on, so to speak, because Chris Evans was... His contract was up with um, Infinity War... But he did one more because it was, as he put it, the logical end for the storyline. And I'm sure he would show up whenever they call him because he's done the fun appearances in, like, sure. you know, Thor: The Dark World and uh, uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming. And but I mean, to be fair, it, whether you like to admit it or not, this is this is a guy with an exit strategy, though. We know uh, we've inter- seen all the other characters that take his place it, introduced. It at gives this it point. gives him a it gives him a graceful bow out. I think yeah. at this point, I I would. <laughs> Not like to see. I mean, we know in the comic books that really, you know, Cap's story ended in one way with Civil War, sure, or, or you know, in the aftermath of Civil War. Um, but he was also brought back to you know glorious fanfare sometime later, as well too, which they could very well do with Endgame, and they could they could give Cap a a tearful um, goodbye uh, by through a, a sacrificial death of the character. Um, you know, I would I would just as well see him you know, retire and live happily ever after with uh, yeah, Agent 13 and kind of like... Yeah, I just... I don't, and, yeah, or uh, maybe, you know, maybe retire as Steve Rogers' super soldier. Yeah, I don't know if they've spent enough time to delve into that, and I just feel that the way they've set, you know, this version of Steve Rogers up is that those kind of soldiers don't have happy endings. Like in order to fulfill their heroic That's... destiny, 
These are the guys that take out a pillbox and get blown up doing it, or they're the guys that save their squad. There's, there's the echoes of that. Th- yeah, and, and this is from a writing standpoint. This is what I see as a potential. Is that no? I, I'm, I'm, I'm so, yeah. I, 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 I would love to write the happy ending for him, but I, I feel like yeah, that's he's definitely more of a um, a sacrificial character in the in the storyline. And yeah. I, I feel I'm trying to I'm trying to steel myself for that. You Thor know, it's, is, I don't want to accept it, but it's, yeah. it's I, I feel like this to is me, I, I yeah, to me, I just I see them introducing Winter Soldier and spending so much care in developing that character that I just loving the whole Brubaker run on Captain America. I'm very excited to see him in the role that I know ultimately is hopefully they pass the mantle to him, but we'll just see how that goes. The one that's tricky for me is Thor because Thor has a lot. There's a lot more story to tell with that one, and they were leaning into the whole Broxton like stuff with you know the Asgardians at not the having end, a home anymore. Of, uh, at the end of Ragnarok, there was right, and with a Loki series in the works, I'm just wondering if like this is a character that's gonna not necessarily have a sacrificial out yet. Are they gonna is are we gonna see him keep showing up? I I think uh, they almost. I mean, I want to feel like what they did with Ragnarok they've got so much potential to go further with that sure I think uh, having uh, Taika Waititi on board as part of the, the MCU and, and then that team of creators which incidentally that guy's doing a fabulous job on the new Captain America run that I've been reading oh yeah he he's writing it yeah Taika Waititi yeah the current run not is... Tanisi Coates maybe yeah uh, maybe you're right you're not confusing the two <laughs> I am on fire this yes. week. <laughs> Sorry, uh, let's not confuse yeah. our New Zealanders with our. Uh, yeah. My apologies uh, to two very fine writers for mixing them up, but uh, I will say that the current run of Captain America is pretty excellent. Well, uh, and I'll I, leave it at that. I, yeah, um, that's a, that's a, that's on my shelf to read. And in, yeah. there are some ones we know that there'll at least be an ending we'll be okay with because there's a we know there's a forthcoming Black Widow movie so. There's She's safe. There's a black. There's a black or Black Panther two is definitely on the yep. books. So we know we know, we already know that uh, Far From Home. So we know, regardless of what we saw, that and, Parker uh, will be back again. Despite the controversy, to glorious fanfare, James Gunn has returned as yes. The... Actually, that was super exciting to me because we've had conversations about this off air about. Just both, both on and off. Yeah, but just the the nature of his firing, and I think this was, this was uh, there was always this chance for Disney and Marvel to be the bigger person and say we made a mistake, and we would love to have you back, which they did, and uh, so testament here to we the, are. I think the power of family and friendship, you know, sure. in that I think it has uh, it endured. And uh, and it happened because whether we like it or not, they could have written a Guardians three. There is plenty of stuff they could have done. Even if every single cast member went, nope, not coming back. There's still plenty of fuel. They could have done it. It may not have been the greatest thing ever. It could have been not great, and it may not have even done really well because there was, but because there was so much um, love for what's been done in the first two, that uh, I think it's great that they're bringing him back to tell his story arc so he'll do the third movie for sure uh and that was his planned story is like he had three movies planned and beyond that we don't know what will happen but we know that there's three movies and we're going to get to see that third one which was a question big question mark and then not at all and then now it's back on well, the to table. even to even hang around as a producer or uh, you know a side contributor to future marvel stories because i'd love to see a rocket and group you know series or show 
I'd that seems see... very much something that would be cool to see like on the Disney Channel as a, as a yeah. TV show. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I don't know if a, a movie would be in the cards. Who but who knows? Yeah. I mean, anything is possible. You know, if the money is there and the <laughs> desire is there, I think you know they could definitely. So let's uh, let's hit up a little bit. We know Far From Home is coming. That's, um, yeah, the trailer's been released and everything. So and uh, and that's been out for a little bit. And then the big thing with that one is I think they. They basically, there was an interview, I, I can't quote who said it or when they said it, but uh, I do remember the gist of it is that they said that it is, uh, that Endgame is not the end of Phase 3 of the MCU, but that Far From Home is, which would lead us to believe that it is in the timeline, the, the last, the, like it's ap- it's going to happen after Endgame, or there's oh, yeah. there's going to be some kind of way that it fits well, in. Well, it would way. have to because we didn't leave Peter Parker in a good state right. at the end of some. Uh, and I'm pretty Parker excited Day from the trailers I've seen. Mysterio looks pretty good. Um, I'm a little curious <laughs> while they're doing it. Uh, we have some kind of weird elementals that you know. Obviously, one of them is a play on Sandman. One's a play on Hydra Man. Uh, what the other two represent, I don't know. But like, if they're putting it. Like it's hard to tell from the trailer if it, they're putting a supernatural bent on it. Is it all a big ruse from Mysterio? From what we know of that character, uh, it's one of those lovely. The trailer gets me excited for the movie and almost tells me absolutely nothing about it, which I think is awesome. And I'm happy leaving it at that. Exactly. Yeah. But it does uh, beg the question of you know what happens next. So we have some solidity to Phase Four. We know that there is a Doctor Strange two. There's a Black Panther two. There's a Captain Marvel too, uh, and then uh, something we've talked about on previous episodes that I'm actually excited for is that Eternals is like greenlit, like it's happening. Um, they're still they they've have casting beyond conceptual, like they have uh, they haven't really started saying a lot about who's playing what, but they've started casting stuff. Uh, one of the bigger pieces I saw is that they're in talks with Angelina Jolie. Um, and then there's, of course, a crap load of speculation on is she going to play Cersei, um, which then circularly brings me back to thinking about those rumors of the Black Knight because they're, <laughs> those two characters are fairly well connected in the Avengers story run. So if we're going to see her in Eternals, does that mean we're going to see a new Avengers lineup at some point that'll have... like? I feel like anything is possible with, with you know the, the end of uh, Endgame... They they have they they have the uh, the Infinity Stones as it were you know the, the actual Infinity Stones with Disney with Fox with Sony you know they can can meld the realities. Memes you know? aside, I, yeah. I feel like you know none of this was possible until they added the cutscene at the end of Iron Man, the very first Iron Man, that said, "I want to talk to you about the Avengers." The Avengers, and, and then yeah. you know the next ten years were just a whirlwind of, of nothing but nerdy goodness. You know, right. like they said it was going to happen, and it happened. And I think it was just the, you know, it's like, it's like the trailer for the very first Iron Man just, you know, just, just gave a spark of imagination to, you know, fans and, and, and devotees of, of, of the, the, the universe. And it just became, so I think they can do exactly the same thing with the end of Endgame is they can, they can provide a spark. They can just say, this is, this is a hint of where we're going. And then it'll just be another 10 years of. Of, of nothing but goodness so they can they can pretty much do it all they can do like they can do deadpool they can do well they're going to they've, <laughs> they've said as much i said the only title not affected by a reboot or a merger elements is that deadpool will continue as 
you know they were as they intended to do it. If nothing else, I'll have a little bit more money to play around with this time. But uh, and to be fair, to, okay. So where you want to talk about what? Like you talked about some of the things you want to see in Endgame. Uh, I will feel that they missed the boat if they don't have a cutscene where they have uh, Wade Wilson show up, hmm. like uh, literally show up and like at Avengers headquarters or whatever and knock at the door i was like man i I finally got here that fox merger took forever uh wait it's over with what the hell like like that's if they don't do that like they're missing out on a huge opportunity Mm. um i i think a a little bit more grounded in reality i i am gonna be thrilled to see wasp and the x-men or what Wasp and the X Men would be amazing. Wasp and the <laughs> Avengers, rather. You know, I'd, I'd love to. See, uh, that's that's what disappointed me about the cutscene at the end of Ant Man and Wasp, um, is because I knew that Wasp wasn't going to be there. You know, to to join the Avengers. Sure. In the in the, in the initial thrust against the uh, initial fight. Against yeah, I mean, and the thing for me is what's interesting about the setup that they've done is that when you think of, for me, when I grew up reading the Avengers was not. Captain America leading the Avengers. It was actually like Dane Whitman as the Black Knight. We had the Vision who is like all white, mm. like no color, no emotions. You had Spectrum, was it? Or Spectrum? Oh, yeah, Spectrum was there. Spectrum was there. Well, she would have been Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel at the time, but before she was Photon. We can, before. yeah, we can, <laughs> we can dive a little bit more into that too, but uh, but not today. Uh, but there, yeah, I mean, this what about Stingray man. What about Stingray? That? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only really reason rough. I remember Stingray is from the Armor Wars okay. series, yeah. but um, although he played a uh, in this new Avengers run, there was a like uh, they killed him, like flat out killed him. He's, uh, he's a killable character. Yeah, I mean it's it's one that you're looking at going, wow, they they did that, but then again you're like, yeah, but I mean really, it's Stingray. <laughs> it's just Stingray. It's like, the fact that yeah. you don't know who we're talking it's like about stilt, right now. It's like Stiltman. Yeah. Like no one cares if Stiltman dies oh. and someone else takes over. Uh, it's still Stiltman. This is someone else with the stilts. Yeah. Uh, anywho, um, I would say. That anyway, one of the interesting things the I've been yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, one of the things I thought was interesting is you do take some of these Easter egg conspiracy theories. Is the whole thing like they mentioned that they pull the stone out of Vision and he immediately goes colorless. He goes completely gray. If you go back and watch. Yeah. He turns completely colorless. I, I did notice that in yeah, that scene, which is a very interesting thing because they could be setting up this idea that they, the whole thing with white, the white Vision is that he. In classic sci-fi trope, he connects himself to like the internet, uh, which was still not what we know today, but it was still this idea that he could connect to everything and decides that he knows best and is going to fix humanity. And in shutting him down, they fundamentally break him and he loses all of his humanity and becomes just this cold, like artificial life form. And then there's this long-running thing that eventually scales him back to where he has. Wonder his... will teach him to love in one divisions. Yeah. Eight o'clock central. Right, maybe so. Disney but, Plus. but it's interesting to see these little Easter egg things plugged in. That if that's the case, then maybe we're leading into that version of the Avengers could be a future version of the Avengers that yeah. we see, which would be awesome. But you know, that to me is like if we want to like our druthers of what we want to see in Phase Four. Do you think after? Endgame, do you want to see another Avengers movie? Do you think that yeah. you'd rather have new titles I, no, I'd, to I'd, replace no, it I'd, instead? Or 
I mean, I I hope there are new teams to explore and new you know new adventures, um, you know new guardians. Heck, we you know we could we sure. could explore that as they have in the comic books with you know the the greater cosmos with the Nova and Beta Ray Bill and you know as guardians of the galaxy in the comic series. But I still think they missed a a big. I loved Ragnarok, but man, I would have loved to see the saga of Beta Ray oh. Bill. It would have been a fabulous movie. Would have been. I mean, they they introduced Surtur and everything. They could. Totally yeah, they had every all the pieces that they needed, yeah. but shoulda, coulda, woulda. Journey into mystery, you know, could be a good. I still think we might see some of that stuff because with a Loki series coming on Disney, um, I think we could see some kid Loki. I think we could see. I mean, yeah, a fundamental. Loki, yeah, yeah, the one of the better storylines is all of these different versions of Loki existing all over the place, where he's unsure of who he is. Would make a great synopsis for a series and maybe i'm just going to call it now that maybe that's what they're going to do with this uh, I, well, we'll you know if we if we if we keep it to the basic cast and all i mean I, I i feel like part part of us is sure that that some of it will be undone what was done in infinity War. i think they have to do that yeah. i think i think that they they have to undo the snap Uh, my prediction is that that is not how the movie begins i think the movie begins as the namesake i think they're gonna go hunt thanos down and for lack of a better term they're gonna be in a mode of where they want to kill him maybe they don't we'll have to see how how dark that particular edition goes but i to me as a predictor i think they're gonna do that i think they're going to feel that they avenged things and it will be a hollow victory because when they come back everyone's still gone and then we have our quantum realm thing, Adventure. Um, where they now see us that spark of we could fix it, we could undo the whole thing, uh, and that's going to be the remainder of our movie is going to be them undoing I, it. Part of what really uh, heartbroke me about um, Infinity War Two was the uh, the breaking of the Guardians with the death of Gamora, and, and the idiocy of Peter well, Quill. Uh, there was only one you knew there was only one way this could end uh peter peter quill was the man driven by emotions and uh just just watch just and a need to dance just watch just watch the first two guardians movies and, and know that this is a man who has you know great emotional impulse um when when you strike on something you know he loves or somebody he loves he will he will lash out and that to me was was like a a point of no return. Like we we've just killed off one of our our team, you know, one of our family. What does that mean? Now I was watching the first Guardians movie again just this morning, um, and it part of me went, it's it's Nebula, Nebula is going to replace her. Um, Nebula will become like the fifth Guardian, and come back. If, if if they've chosen to kind of leave Gamora off the table for for a time, you know maybe that's part of the third Guardians movie. Maybe that's the arc of the third Guardians movie is to uh, to patch that family back up again or to find some way to reintroduce it. I mean we've we've obviously got uh, Adam that was hinted at in the final cut scene of Guardians two, but um, I think I think I would like to see. I think that that, that would be my guess for what what happens with the guardians you know we, we'll yeah, get them back be, but it'll be a it's weird to go through this whole infinity thing and no adam warlock but eh, we may not be done with it yet. 
Right. Who knows? We got three hours worth of what are they going to do? Maybe, kind of maybe, maybe Guardians 3 will be the kind of the, the epilogue to yeah. the, the whole yeah. Infinity, you know, the resolution of the Infinity story. Um, so if you had to yeah. pick of the many and varied uh, titles and stuff that are yeah. forthcoming and what we could see spun out of Endgame, what do you, what do you, we have, we know what we're going to see in Phase yeah. 4. Yeah. What, what would you fill all of those blocks with that just have a question mark? Like, like what's the, like what, what properties, I, I would not have predicted um, Eternals as a property, but I'm very excited to see them doing it. Uh, if you had to pick, like, we know that they're, like, they showed a list of, like, Captain Marvel 2, Doctor Strange 2, Black Panther 2, well, Eternals, I, and then they've got these blocks that are, like, unnamed mark, Marvel project, oh. unnamed Marvel project. So, if you were going to put a name to a Marvel project, like, if you had your druthers, what would, what do you want to see them do in Phase 4? Um, Ms. Marvel. And... The Kamala uh, Khan. You want to do see a Kamala Khan? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that, that, that makes the most sense for Captain Marvel 2. But, yeah, I, I maybe not... I don't know. Whether they do, like, a Captain Marvel, Ms. Marvel movie, and then a Kamala Khan movie, or, or whether they just introduce her in the movie, uh, and then play her into her own movie. So you, don't, so you don't see that potentially as, like, having Kamala Khan as, like, in Captain Marvel 2? Like, in, like oh, I, introducing I think, that I think, I think we'll introduce her way. like we did with Spider-Man in Civil War and then have him have his own uh, movie. Gotcha. Or, you know, like, like we'll have Kamala have her own movie, but after introducing her in another property so we can kind of, like, you know, ease the waters with, like, you know, this is where this character comes from and then just be able to tell her whole story. Um, I would absolutely like to see that. And if I were to, gosh, unnamed Marvel project, unnamed Marvel project. There's, there's so much they, they can do there, especially now. You know they could do, they could do Fantastic Four, um, which I think would be. Really well, I think that that's just a foregone conclusion. It's yeah. just going to be a matter of time before we see that. But, I mean, thinking about how they're going to fill, like these things, like uh, one, I think like what you're talking about is kind of the same thing I'm leaning towards too. New characters. Yeah. Let's see something new. I'm all for these twos and threes and finishing some trilogies and stuff up with some of these characters to get right. a little bit more of their story. Um, but at the same token, there's again ample opportunity to introduce us to some new great characters. It's it's challenging because I, I know a lot of my favorite characters have already been kind of played with. And do we do we reboot those characters into a more palatable cinematic universe, or do we um, do we evolve them somehow from the, the existing properties? Like I think, like like having a like an Iron Fist and. Yeah, I think with the exception with the exception of the Fox properties, mm -hmm. if your choice is reboot or new, for the love of God, do new. Um, while well, I would love to see uh, an Iron Fist movie in particular, um, the thing with that is is that in a way it would devalue what they've done. It feels different in a comic environment when you reboot it because that's almost an ex an yeah, expectation well, of a retcon or a reboot within yeah, that's it. That's the nature of reading comics. Too, exactly, is like a new artist, a new writer, but, and you're going to get a new flavor. You know? But if you're going to do things where you're introducing the wider world to these other characters, introduce us to some new characters. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, I would, I mean, I, I make no bones about the idea that I would love to see like a Moon Knight movie. I think conceptually could totally work, especially in a post uh we're not seeing anything in the realm of batman or something like that i think that 
it would be an interesting way for them to do a take on it of that particular trope um, while doing something completely different. Like, there are so many cra- well, literally crazy things they could play around with. In that case, I think well, the one. groundwork may have been laid for potentially like a damage control movie. Yeah, that would be, that's a real wild card out there. That could be, that's, and that actually seems more a TV show to me than movie um but i could i could see that i could see i could see something along those lines um what's interesting to me is like i would be hard pressed that like the eternals is kind of like that little christmas gift for me like i i i have sort of long been a fan of how they've been they've been insinuated into the marvel universe Mm -hmm. like for decades uh without being like this standout thing but several characters within that genre have been fairly important uh, I would say if you're it, one thing I would like to see them reboot if we're gonna do a reboot is Inhumans. like yeah actually exactly right uh, do Inhumans spend some time on it and do a movie try not a TV series uh, that's well that was originally the plan you know well I know that was the original plan but I, I don't, I don't it, know somewhere if the between was too far out there for you know a movie audience to, to grasp or see, whether they're yeah, and for me, it seems their reach, like... Their reach extended their grasp on that. Yeah, and I think now with Captain Marvel introducing the Kree, and we have some idea of, like, the lengths that they go to mess around with other planets and experiment and do things like that, that uh, Inhumans all of a sudden seems a bit more plausible than when we really didn't have that backstory uh, set up at the time, other than the little bits and pieces we got through Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which was to say, not much. Uh, so I think that if you, yeah, if, if I wanted to see a reboot, that'd be a great one to see rebooted. I would love to see them do some diligence to that one. Um, but I don't think it'll happen. I think that's one of the ones that they'll have written off at this point. I think, um, I would, I don't know. That's a tough one for me. Uh, there's a lot of stuff they'd play around with, but then considering the trajectory they've taken in the comics with some stuff. Uh, I'm not sure if I want to see their new ideas show up. Like I am, I'm flabbergasted with the new uh, West Coast Avengers. I'm just I have no idea what they're doing with that particular title. Just but having fun. That's, is that's, it? Uh, yes, to me. Come on, know, I mean, Bro Doc. I mean, is that? Oh, it's uh, it's fun. It it not is I... it. <laughs> Uh, I guess war. it. I guess it could be, um, but not. Debates. But not for me. Uh, <laughs> uh, actually, okay. Here's here's what I will say. Yeah, but not for me. I will say in that vein, what I would like to see from one of those properties is a Young Avengers movie. Yeah, that's definitely that's definitely open for. Uh, especially if we see a Kang storyline. Well, especially line. if we see a Kate, you know, Bishop. From but if we, yeah. we, I can see them setting the trick. I can see them setting this up though. Is that if we get a Kang storyline, we can get Iron Lad. Uh, we potentially are going to see um, Kate. Yes. Uh, whether or not the rumors and what we've seen in the trailers are true. Exactly. Anyway? We don't but know. if that's the case, we've got another member. Uh, it'd be super easy to introduce Patriot mm-hmm. into the mix. Uh, Hulkling and Wiccan are a little tougher. But not impossible. Yeah. Uh, but I think that would make a gotta, fantastic. I think it would be a fantastic movie to introduce, and certainly we could see Wiccan spin out of Wandavision. Yeah. Um, Hulkling could be a Guardians thing, or you know, there's a lot of different ways they could they could do that. But I think that would be a great title. Um, and uh, Ms. America 
fish and bows. Sure. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, the other one I think would be kind of cool to play around with, um, but I think that they're already trying to do it in a very weird way, but uh, nothing like epitomizes my 90s era love of comics as uh, the uh, New Warriors was, huh. I thought, an amazing run when they did it. Reintroduced this to Nova. Um, we got uh, Firestar, who was like a... From Spider Man, Spider Man is amazing friends, but actually a uh, backstory X Men that just wasn't used yeah. a whole lot. Um, you know, Namorita, um, which would be kind of cool to see that. Well, if we introduced Namor, yeah. um, and and man, the the poster boy of the nineties, Night Thrasher. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, uh, but it was. Something about that series struck a chord with me, though. I really lo- I loved it. I thought it was great. It went off the deep end and caught fire and burned horribly at the end of the run. But for a good chunk of time, it was like it was one of my mainstays that I was happy to get it. And, you know, that brings up another thing. It was from that era, too. Um, it'd be a, a tough sell, and I'd like to see how they do it, but a Darkhawk property um, would you, be really cool, too. You've had Darkhawk thing. You've been, you keep on revisiting that. I do. Uh, that feels like a Guardians or a Cosmic. Definitely could be a Guardians thing. Uh, it would Guardians would be a great way to introduce characters like Nova and Darkhawk and stuff like that would sure. be very cool. But I oh, think... Also, you know, in a different take, uh, Micronauts. If they, if they do a that good thing with the could, Quantum Realm. Yeah, that could be a property thing, though. That falls in the same realm as ROM. Possibly. And well, some I mean, of that stuff where... Well, and it's it's also toy rights being owned by other companies, yeah. because this is a thing that Marvel made a ton of money off of. Uh, it's actually from a comic book standpoint, it's kind of funny because I've been revisiting uh, the GI Joe comic book because as a kid I collected every single one of those action figures, and then oh, yeah. reading the comic, you realize they were basically giant commercials for 100%. toys, basically. Same as the the Transformers comics of the time. But if you ever, a uh, very cool series on Netflix, if you ever get a chance to watch it, is The Toys That Made Us. Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, and they have a fantastic rendition of both Transformers and G.I. Joe, where they talk to the writers at Marvel, who literally invented like every backstory to all of these action figures that you had. Uh, they would just give them the action figures and say, write, write, me write a, this guy, history, you know? Yeah. And it, it's a fascinating kind of show as to how like Marvel sort of defined the character of these toys that we, that we grew up with. But uh, I don't want to rabbit hole that one too much, but it was interesting to uh, also in, in seeing some of that, how like these comics played out in that at a certain point, they just couldn't write them anymore. It wouldn't have mattered if they were popular or not. They just couldn't do them because Hasbro owned the rights to, you know, the stuff and everything was done contractually. So, you know, they talk about some of the designs that some of these artists did that they didn't own, you know, that were pretty much they, because they were done as work for hire. You know, I think that that part of it is why Micronauts and stuff like that, while would be kind of cool, they've had a, a hard life, even in, in the comic side for Marvel. It's like they've shown up every now and again, but not as much as they could be using them. I mean, heck, the Microverse barely gets used at all uh except a little bit more recently because of some of the traction they got in the movies but you know for the most part i think that there's something else going on there that maybe they don't have as many of the rights as they'd like to uh it'd be interesting it's kind of a weird 
crazy but high concept sci-fi storyline would be interesting um there's a lot of cool backstory behind that too if you ever go and check out the wikipedia entry or stuff and see the history behind micronauts it's pretty pretty fascinating um but on that note yes go out and read some comics and go see some movies you know free comic book day is coming up and i hope you'll take the advantage to go to your local comic book uh, dealer and uh pick up a comic um pick up a trade pick up a, yeah i mean the this, this is, is some this, of the best time to get trades this is like christmas and black friday kind of all rolled up into one at comic book stores but uh but the crowds are all good they're they're happy crowds they're happy to be there crowds not there's that. a lot of promotional stuff too there's abso- like there's I mean, yeah. a lot of stuff that you can only get on free comic book day a lot of a lot of you know it's kind of like they use it as a, a hint of things to come but also kind of like a a lot of the stores do special deals where they give you like 50 percent off of trades or uh or they have some really great deals on bundles and things like that and it's a good opportunity to get out there and read uh read a comic pick up a book uh, I used to say that I would go into any comic book store, and any time I'd go into one, I'd always leave with one comic, even if, uh, even if I didn't, uh, wasn't following a series, I could always pick up a Superman comic and know exactly where I was. So this is a really good opportunity to go out there and talk to people and find find out your find your nerdiness in yeah, a comic book store. For me, it's twofold because uh, I like to use this as an opportunity to support the indie comic trade because most of the stuff i read for marvel to be fair i do digitally so i'm paying marvel to watch or to watch to read i'll be paying them to watch too but uh i pay them for a digital subscription the bulk of the stuff i read is you know through the marvel unlimited stuff but um the indie stuff is you can get some of it through you know some of the other stuff that's out there like um uh couple of the apps that i use that i'm just the names eluding me right now comiXology is the other one i use you can get a lot of stuff but on the same token like through stuff like when you gifted me with uh birthright which is amazing i followed up with the rest of the series series, through that um but lazarus and a lot of the other ones that like i love to be able to go in and, and buy these trades that are all wrapped up this time of the year because usually there are pretty good deals on them. Image is great because you can get most number one trades for under $10. Yeah, they've been doing really good at the trade business right now. Uh, And I think it's one of the best ways to get into a series is rather than buying a single issue that you got to wait another month till another one comes out is, you know, get a trade and read like the first five and really to see if it's something you want to get into. Because I I very rarely, I mean, I'll buy the first issue of almost anything, but then I will rarely follow it monthly but i'll just wait a couple months and get a, a bound copy so i can just kind of like purge through it all at once it's like it's it's the comic book equivalent of binging there's there are titles i can do that with and then there's stuff that i still enjoy the cliffhangeriness of like reading that one knowing i'm gonna have to wait until next month for the next one the 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 first uh, i should say the first saturday in may is always traditionally free comic book day in this in this case uh, in this case it's may 4th which also oh, it coincides with the Star, Star Wars. Wars yeah. May the Fourth be with you. Yep. So, uh, get out there and do that. That's well, I will say on that note, one yes. thing I want to close with something I thought found was interesting is I saw a post somewhere where they were basically the equivalent of like go hug a nerd. It's been a hard. It's like <laughs> it's going to be a end of a hard ten years, and yeah, that's one way to look at it. But here's here's the thing: they're not going to stop making movies. They're not going to stop writing comics. If nothing, we're getting a million more venues for the stuff that... And you know what? We get to talk about it 
and people actually are interested in what we have to say, which that's great. Yeah. And I think that it's not, this isn't a hard time. I think that this is the end of an era in a lot of ways. I think Endgame will wrap a lot of stuff up that has been 10, 11 years in the making, but it's only the beginning, I think, of what we're going to see. I think that they proved a point that people want to see this stuff. They want this content. And we know that if people want this content, they're going to keep giving us more of it until we say no. Yeah, they, they can't set records for like selling out tickets on Fandango yeah, and exactly. say that they're, they're, the nerd culture just does not is not a, a valid uh, means of, of telling a story through a particular medium. But speaking of nerd culture, thank yes. you for making us a part of your culture, and we will see you... Thank you for making us a part of your culture. A part of your culture. And I'm not talking about yogurt. Yes. Uh, but we will take this as a wrap, and we will look forward to having you hear us the next time we broadcast. And we got it at uh, an hour 43. Yeah? Not too bad. Yeah, don't look. That number's not right. Okay. It's an hour 43. <laughs> we haven't been, like, we have been two, at this for two hours. No, it's something weird yeah. but with this program but uh yeah regardless no a little longer than i than i predicted but i think enough time for us to have gone through everything uh when next we meet we will be able to probably talk about endgame uh a little bit more thoroughly discuss the implications (laughs) of what what has has transpired and we'll see what the future brings. and the of course the uh the promised uh at some point we're gonna we'll talk star wars there's a lot of star wars stuff now yeah, uh, we'll talk we'll talk a bit about that um another thing i would love to get your opinion now on is that uh you've dived a little bit into the realm of role-playing games which yeah. has been my wheel well for a really long time um but i'm curious to get once you have a few more things under your belt your opinions on that too because i think that this is a also another nerd culture growing phenomenon of a more uh accepted and becoming loved more mainstream activity yes. Uh, but we're going to leave that because we got to have something to talk about next time. Yeah. And we have babies to put to bed. <laughs> we do. Yes, some of them. And uh, lives to get on with here, so we will let you get on with yours as well. Well, thank you all, and good night. Stay super. Stay super.